Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Uh, today, our guest is John Lenhart. Thanks for being on the show, John. Thanks for having me, Whitney. John is a former practicing attorney, entrepreneur, and real estate investor since 2008. He lives in Cincinnati. He invests in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. He's grown a portfolio starting uh, with a four family in 2008 into a portfolio consisting of approximately 130 apartment units, four self-storage facilities, encompassing approximately 150,000 square feet of rentable storage space. That's impressive, John. Would you would you tell us a little bit about uh, just how you got into real estate and, and how you're, then we're going to get into how you're growing your business and how you got there? Sounds good. Well, I've always had a fascination in real estate and um actually really started to like it when I uh, went off to law school. I never really enjoyed the whole practice of law, and I was always kind of following up on on real estate and getting involved in real estate deals. And when um, the crash happened in 2008, I found myself out of a job and looking for that next thing to do. And I decided I didn't want to pick up scraps as a uh, an attorney for the foreseeable future with the way the economy was. So Started to get more involved into our real estate. Um, had a, I started investing with my father and some four families at the time, and we've just grown it from there. Nice. So I guess talk to the, you know, that that listener who is still in those shoes. You know, you started growing it from there. How, how did you? What was really a few key things to help somebody else maybe start growing from that first property to the next to the next to the next? What do you recommend? Well, what we did mostly, what we did. Um, pretty much for most of the first seven, eight years is we've reinvested everything. Um, everything we generated and earned, we were reinvesting that in the next property. So that helped us double, triple, quadruple our size exponentially. On top of that, we threw ourselves into the management. And when you have you know, eight units or 12 units or a small portfolio, it's not that hard. It doesn't take that many man hours to manage it yourself. Plus, for a property that size, property management is ridiculous, and it uh, pretty much is going to kill whatever cash flow you hope to get off of it. So we managed it ourselves and got to see all the details and how the how a property like that operates. And and as we got uh, more money invested in it and bigger and bigger, we were able to scale it and and you know apply the same principles we did early on. And you know we got to learn that okay, value add investing is is the way to go. We, you know, our philosophy was always buy cash flow properties and uh, work to increase the efficiencies, increase the rents, and grow from there. So, what's the largest multifamily property you own at the moment? Well, we are in the process of closing in the next couple of weeks in a 60 unit apartment building. That'll be our largest. Nice. We have another 50 unit building, it would be then the next largest we currently have. So, you know, from the are you are you all self managing those the larger ones also the fifty unit? Yes, yeah. So we actually, when we got to when we uh, doubled from fifty to unit on our own um, maintenance staff and and property manager to help us out. So we have someone who acts as a leasing agent, shows the units, collects the rents, handles a lot of the maintenance. 
maintenance request, and then we have a full-time person. But they, instead of paying the property management their markup, we're handling that in-house. Nice. So I guess tell us about some of the growing pains going from you know, four units to 50, you know, buying 50 unit properties. What are some of the things we need to be prepared for when we're scaling our business like that? Well, I'd say the, probably the, the first step was when we got to about, uh, when we got to 50 units, we recognized the, you know, the need to scale up to a more permanent property management system before everything was done via spreadsheets and, and just managing tenants that way. But when you got more than when you received when you got more than fifty tenants on the apartment side, realized we need a little something more robust because you can't remember everything, all the late fees that are being charged, something more efficient to to handle them. In addition, something to act as a maintenance portal, be able to handle maintenance requests and monitor your maintenance uh, as they're going forth, and uh, be able to alert the appropriate people. So that was probably the first big step we took was is uh, when we scaled up to above 50 units, we got ourselves a full-fledged property management system. We invested in building, which we currently are still using. Um, and it, without that, I mean, we'd be, we'd be hurting because, you know, really anything more than 50 people, actually really anything more than about 20 tenants, it's hard to manage um, without a, a property management system. So that was the first step we had. Uh, and then again, as we grew... You know, bringing on someone full time to manage all the maintenance, manage our apartment turns, um, that that was big because having someone on your payroll who can do that, it saves you a lot of money if you can have the scale to do it. Um, otherwise, it does get very expensive. Or if you're paying property management to do it, it's extremely expensive. We do a lot of value add, as I mentioned. So we're going through. We're not just you know, putting new paint in the apartment and returning it. We're upgrading the kitchens. We're upgrading some of the cabinets. We're trying to turn a Class C apartment um, in a you know B minus neighborhood or B neighborhood into uh, a little bit better property. So that's a lot of what we focus on. Nice. So so you're doing you know obviously the multifamily and then but you're also doing storage facilities also, right? I guess what's the business plan or goal? Are you going to do both assets long term or what's the plan? We like them both because of the diversity. It's a good way to uh, spread out the risk in our portfolio. Um, we started with apartments first, and we'll always love apartments, but storage is its a phenomenal asset class because it has some of the lowest default rates in the industry. And secondly, it's got a very low... I mean, you've got a very high NOI. Your expense ratio is very low. Um, plus, as they say, you know, no tenants, no toilets. You're not getting that midnight phone call, which is nice. So... It's, it's a very good cash business. And again, it allows you to uh, do a good value add because 80% of the, of the storage owners now, um, even today, are still mom and pop owners. They're, I mean, the REITs have jumped in uh, big time in the last, I'd say, five to six years, but they're competing in the big cities and they're competing for you know, this uh, very pretty large class A you know, assets, but there's still a lot of stuff all over the market, whether it be in the suburban or tertiary markets that you can compete on. And it's a great asset class that throws off a lot of, a lot of cash. So we find a lot of mom and pops that have run it for a number of years, but are just missing out on a lot of things, whether it be a property management system, whether it be selling ancillary products, such as insurance boxes, locks, or, or running U-Haul trucks, we're, we're doing all of that and, and 
and helping to generate additional income. Give us a few tips on finding those properties, finding those deals. Um, we've been fortunate. Uh, we've established relationships with brokers in the area. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I still have my other job. And so I don't have time to leverage a big mass mailing campaign. But uh, we've leveraged some relationships with brokers. On top of that, we use a lot of vendors to help bird dog for us. So uh, we, as I mentioned, we rent U-Haul trucks at our facilities when looking for new places, we always talk to our U-Haul rep because they're always they're, part of their job is to go out and establish relationships with other facilities in the area, whether they have U-Haul or they don't. And if something is coming available, if they have U-Haul there, they certainly want to make sure that if it sells, that they keep it. So they're going to let us know because we're going to be friendly towards U-Haul. Um, if they don't have, have it, then they want to get it in. And Certainly, they're going to let us know that too. That's one. That's one area that we um, we leverage. But it's not just U-Haul. It's you know our gate vendors, any any spent uh, our fencing uh, supplier, anybody we use who services other clients in the area. We're asking them, hey, what are you hearing? Is anybody selling? And they're a good source of tips, so we can at least get in early and possibly explore and examine the property. Nice. So it sounds like you know, over the next, well, I can't remember when you said you're going to close on this next property, but very soon, 60 some units. Is that right? Yes. A couple of weeks. Yeah. So in a couple of weeks, you'll be very close to 200 doors plus the four self storage facilities. And then, you know, what's next? What's next in your all's real estate uh, business plan? Where do you plan to go or do? Well, our goal is to keep growing. That's, that's for sure. Um, we, I think we found a niche with the value add properties. It's what we enjoy. We want to move into taking on probably more third-party investors as our next step. We've done this all organically ourselves, and it's it's um, been a good good process for us, and we've learned a lot as we've gone. Uh, but it's you know the bigger you get and the bigger the properties get, the harder it is to do it all on your own. So it's to the point where we know what we're doing, and we we feel like we can offer people a lot of value in the market with our skills that we've developed. And so it's, it's now time to start focusing and learning how to uh, take that out to the market and grow that for other investors to uh, join us. So, so you're going to do this uh, syndicate possibly on the next deal or in the near future? That's the, that's the plan to get towards syndication here in the next, uh, next 12 to 18 months to do our first, first full-time syndication. We've taken on some small partners, just as um, small equity partners in the past, uh, but we're looking to more, get, grow more towards a uh, full-time syndication. Right. So tell the listener who's maybe had a few properties, but uh, you know they they really want to grow their business also and and move towards syndication. What what are some some tips or advice you would give someone that says, I, you know, I really want to learn the syndication business, and you know, how, how would you tell them to prepare to do that? Well, I mean, I'm still learning myself, so I'm far from an expert at that. But uh, I've been looking at this for a while, off and on, and. I had some contacts or I had a com- couple conversations uh, a couple years ago with folks at Realty Mogul, if you're familiar with that site. And, the, you know, I, I mentioned to them, hey, you know, we're looking into this asset class. We find properties. How can you get it on your site? And then they kind of laughed at me because they pretty much said, hey, you know, you're not you're not experienced enough to uh, be taken seriously at the time, which was true. And they said, ultimately, what you need to do is you need to uh, take a property from purchase to 
to exit, whether it be sale or a uh, cash out refinance. And we had not done that yet. At the time, the most we'd ever sold was a, a few four families and, and leveraged them into some larger properties. So uh, last year, we finally did a full exit where we took a property from purchased, we did the value add, and then uh, did the exit through a non-recourse uh, refinance. So we still own the property, but we did the uh, cash out refinance at that time. And, and we're essentially able to show what our returns look like over a five, four, and three-year period um, and the annual returns to investors, what they would have seen if they were invested in that, which were very strong for these assets. You know, I wonder, like, how are you maybe networking with potential investors now, just so people know you're developing those relationships and they know that you're, you're, you're having success in real estate. And so when the time comes, you've developed the relationships, you're ready to go to, to you know, present a deal, a potential deal to them to invest in. Like, how are you creating those relationships now? Well, mostly it's through, um, we're leveraging friends, family, and, and, um, uh, professional contacts that we have. So people in the industry, are, whether they be accountants, attorneys, friends that we know that I've come across with through networking events and things, we, you know, I'm letting them know what we're doing. Just saying, hey, this is what we're up to. This is what we've done recently. Doesn't mean that I'm asking for anything now. I'm not even, I'm not even telling them yet that we're going to look towards syndication. But at least when the time comes, they know what I've been up to the last five, seven, ten years, and they're they're more open to discussing because it's one thing to just say, "Hey, I'm doing syndications," but you know if they don't know what you've done or they don't know your background, and they don't know that you've been talking about this for the last five or six years, it's harder to take you seriously. So that's at least what I've been doing on the small local level, um, as far as the networking goes. I'm not. Um, I probably could be doing a lot more. And, you know, I, I need to ramp things up and, and make some more uh, higher level connections that way. But uh, that's that's at least the first step. Um, also, that legal background of me kind of likes to understand everything going on. So I've been doing my best to bone up on some of these syndication agreements, what they look like, and and just, just getting a very good understanding of the process so I can wrap my hands around it. That's probably been the biggest thing I've been looking for because... If I'm if I'm going to be taking people's money for investing, I want to make sure I guard it with my life, and and I, last thing I want to do is is lose it. I mean, they're putting it at risk anyway with the investment, but you know, my whole thing is to be a good shepherd of their money, and I want to make sure I know everything you know I'm going to see before going forward. And maybe that's just me being a little bit over cautious, but that's just kind of my personality. What's a way that you're educating yourself? you know, to, to move to the syndication model? Well, I'm reading a lot of books by some of the, some of the syndicla- uh, syndicators. So I recently read Fair, Matt Fairclough's book. I'm going to be uh, looking into Joe Fairless's book soon. Um, I've got my hands on a number of uh, private placement agreements from some people I know that have done this in the past and kind of reading through to understand the mechanics of how they work. Um, so from the legal standpoint, I get my hands around that, but uh and then also talking to people who've done them in the past, talking to people who have some money that might be interested in investing and, and just gauging some initial interest on that end. I have not yet taken the step to uh, fully get my own documents together yet, which I look to do sometime in 2019.
So from your experience from the, you know, from the properties you've already purchased, what do you foresee being the hardest part of actually doing a syndication now that you've gained this, this other experience? Um, I'd say the hardest part of, of doing it is probably overcovering my initial fear of, of asking for the money because, you know, I got, you know, looking back, you can see the, re, you know, looking back and doing our, our returns, it's, it's very impressive what we, what we put together. But there's always just that initial fear at the beginning. And, and you know, I'm not going to lie, I am tend to be a little cautious. So um, I have that initial fear that, okay, what's if this is the one that doesn't work out? And then that's, that's a little bit uh, scary at first. But I think we've gotten enough under our belts to kind of show the results. And, and it also helps give me confidence every time we go forward that uh, we're, you know, we're truly going to be protecting our investors. You know, I really love this quote, and I mentioned it just the show before, actually, or yesterday's show. Uh, Gary Keller says, you know, opportunity is on the other side of fear. And, you know, fear just disables people, you know. And and I, I was one of them myself and, and still struggle with that. And I've I've had to teach myself that when, when I'm fearful, somebody asks me, hey, can you speak at this event or can you do this? And, you know, you almost have to com- commit just right away so I don't have a chance to really think about it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's getting out of your comfort zone. And I will say the scariest deal we ever did was the first one we closed because we didn't know what we're doing. Uh, or the first time, our first war family. That was by far scarier than closing a, a 16-unit apartment building um, or, a, you know, a, um, a 60,000 square foot storage facility because you know, we had not done it before. But, you know, the more we do, the less, the easier it is and the more confident you get. So we're getting to the point where, you know, we're going to do it. It's a definite that we're going to do it. It's just getting all our ducks in a row now. So, John, what, what's something you, you've done recently to improve your business that we can all, all use in our business? Well, um, one of the things we're getting ready to do right now, since um, it's uh, on a hot topic, um, we're getting ready to do a cost segregation study for uh, one of our apartment buildings here. I don't know if you've done that before, or if um, a lot of people know what it is, but uh, we're anticipating uh, that it's going to save us a lot of money on depreciation. At least we'll be able to get a lot of it up front, um, which will help our cash flow significantly in the first in the next few years. We are um, so we're going to be doing this. It's something that was pitched to us. A while back, and we've spent a lot of time studying it and and um, learning from some of my account friends that uh, hey, this is definitely the way to go, and it can really improve your cash flow. Is this the the new property that you're about to close on? You're going to do that on, or is it a, a, a pre- previous purchase? It is, and then we're going to go back and, and do um, a couple previous purchases after the new one. So. so- Tell me, uh, you know, maybe give me just a, a brief definition of, of why, you know, the cost seg, what that is, just in case the listener doesn't know. And then and then we'll go into, you know, when, how you started that process. Sure. Well, the cost segregation study is, is when you have an apartment that apartment or commercial property, whether it's 27 and a half years or 39 and a half years um, depreciation, most people are going to depreciate it straight line. And with cost segregation, what you're going in is you're taking the components out. You know, you have a furnace, which is maybe a 15-year property, or you have through-the-wall air conditioners, which are a five-year property. And instead of depreciating it as part of the building, you are depreciating it on a, a faster, more aggressive schedule. And so you're able to capture a lot more depreciation early on and um, 
than you would be if you just appreciated over straight lines. So this way, you're able to, to maximize your deductions early on in the process. Nice. So what does that timeline look like? You, you've contacted a call seg company. Uh, you know, company or somebody that, you know, obviously an expert um, or an engineer that's going to come out and either even look at the property or, or will they, um, you know, will they take documents and do it, you know, remotely? How, how does that work? So from what he explained to me, and we just actually had the final conversation about it today, um, it's about a six to eight week process. And they look at a few of the, of the units, they look at the property, walk the property, look for, you know, just kind of do an inventory of what's there, making sure that they have everything. And then um, they'll go back to their office and perform a, a study. I believe they have an engineer um, in the office, that a construction engineer that looks at all the components of the property and breaks everything down from the HVAC systems to the air conditioners to the to the um, stoves, dishwashers, appliances, you know, you name it down to, um, you know, down at the door hinges, I guess. And so they'll break everything down and they'll um, come up with a schedule about based on what each type of property is. Is this five-year, 10-year, 15-year, uh, you know, 27 and a half-year property? So, or I guess it's seven-year, but they um, break it down and then they will, um, they'll break it down and then they'll issue a schedule and say, this is what we, um, this is how we, um, we recommend depreciating it here. And so that's, that's how, that's what they'll do, and then based on that schedule, that's the additional depreciation you can get um, versus what you would normally be getting if you were just depreciating it straight line. So, what will be the the business plan or model? You know, if you depreciate it, you know, over the next five or seven years, what happens after that? Well, there's still a good portion of it that you're still you got to depreciate out twenty seven and a half years. But um, so, what's going to happen is we're going to you know, get increased cash for the next three, five years or, or so. That hopefully will help us with additional, with that additional cash flow will help us with additional capital for investment in other properties where we can continue doing it again. So um, that's ultimately what we're, what we're doing. But, um, you know, if we sell the property after, say, year one or two of doing this, and we're going to have a huge tax in on, on recaptured depreciation. But if the goal is to hold the property for five to 10 years, it'll even itself out in the long run. Nice, nice. Uh, John, what would you say is the, the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Um, always always being willing to learn, always willing, being willing to realize that you know, there's always something else out there, someone who's smarter than you, someone who knows more than you do, and there's always something you could learn from, from people about real estate. I'm not an expert by any means, um, you know, and I'm, I'm learning something new every day. So uh, just always, you know, just kind of delving into the process, delving into what's out there. And, and the amazing thing I learned is there's so many ways to make money in real estate that it's, it, you know, you can never possibly learn at all and just to find something that you like. And that's why we got into the storage and the uh, real property. Awesome. Well, John, you've been a great guest and I really appreciate the value you've provided to the listeners. Would you tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you or learn more about your business? Sure. Um, you can find me. I'm, I'm, I'm on bigger pockets. Um, you could find me there. I have a profile, active profile there, and I'm happy to answer anyone's questions on bigger pockets, or you could email me directly. Um, my email, my main email is J Lenhart. That's J L E N H A R T at acuitymri.com. That's A-C-U 
itymri.com. Great. Thank you again, John, for being on the show. And I appreciate the listeners being with us today. I hope you'll reach out to John. I hope you'll connect with him. And I hope you'll go to lifebridgecapital.com, my website, and connect with me and schedule a call and see if I can help you in any way. And also go to the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show. And uh, and, uh, that way we can all learn from experts like John together and to grow our business. So we'll talk to each of you tomorrow. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.